another edition of the Luton Town International Podcast. We have three games, unfortunately, or losses to talk about, but there's a lot to talk about with them. So we're going to start very briefly with the Barnsley game. Not the Barnsley game. Barnsley? Where did that come from? Um, Brentford game. Well, we get we get enough players from there, so, you know, we should give them, <laughs> give them a reference every now and again. <laughs> it's a B-team thing this season, seems to be. So, uh, yeah. We've got the, uh, the Brentford game. Um, I think bad day at the office. I think we didn't turn up as well as we have been turning up um so i'm not getting into too many details on those ones but yeah we probably deserve a loss on that one um but jacob brown's goal came in was two goals in two games and it's a goal he got absolutely nothing yeah and i think we we talked about it where before our last podcast ended that we didn't think we'd get anything from brentford uh and it, it turned out that way it turned out to be the exact case uh I think I remember saying in this podcast that we played the way we played against United and Liverpool against the so-called smaller teams, we'd be fine. We didn't mm. against Brentford. And I'm not saying Brentford are a smaller team, but concer- compared to the likes of United and Liverpool, I think even Brentford fans would say we're smaller than them as a club. Yeah. Not necessarily bat- worse than them because United are fucking awful this season, but they're smaller clubs. Um, We didn't. We didn't turn up against them at all. And... Brentford just seemed to be one of them teams that we don't really do well against in recent years. I remember a heavy defeat in the in the championship as well. It, it's just one of them things where you put it down to, okay, it's an off day. Players didn't turn up. We had bad luck with injuries. Thank, thankfully, none of them were long-term. Um, you just put it down to a bad day at the office and you move on. Yeah, I mean, even, even having said that, so, you know, first half, people thinking this is dull, but I was saying, I was thinking, right, Perfect away performance so far. Restrictions are very, very little. But then, of course, Lockyer had to go off injured. And that just unsettled mm. us. Yeah, I mean, when you lose your captain and you lose probably your best defender, the guy who pretty much organises everything at the back, it's going to affect you. No matter what team you are. Like, if you're Arsenal and you take Saliba or Saliba out of that team, does it affect your defence? I think it proved last season that does. Any team that loses their best defender, and in our case, our captain, it's going to be... It's going, to, it's, it's going to be a bad day at the office. It's, it's, it's not the exact way which, you plan things out. Which which will happen occasionally. Yeah. Um, right, so on to, the next four, on to the next two games, I'm going to pick out four players uh, to mention specifically. We'll go through game by game, but um, Doughty, Adebayo, yeah. Barkley, Kaminsky. Yeah, can't Both disagree four. with any, any of those names. Right, so I mean, on the Arsenal game, and it's—I um, mean, I was absolutely sick that final whistle, sort of uh, when that ball went in. We deserve more, I think. So we got to three-two. I'm thinking, I mean, my sort of, you know, my saucer brother-in-law is—he's um, an Arsenal fan. He just sent me this text saying, "Phew, he didn't gloat, fair play, but uh, yeah. and he, he wouldn't do." And he says, "Losing to Conor now is second team as well." But it's, um, but he was a little bit nervous. Now, obviously, it's. Um, it was an open game. I think first 20 minutes were a bit cagey, but after that, it seems to be you, so you score, we score, you score, we score, we score, you score. 
it was just absolutely insane so it was um amazon must have loved that choice of game well they were choosing all of them but it was um going back on the goals obviously uh arsenal first i can't remember too much about it to be fair uh but then we equalized pretty pretty quickly yeah i think it was martinelli's goal was the first one and you, you could say all three arsenal goals we could have defended better for but at the same point you look at our defense and how much it costs versus other teams in the league and and yeah they're gonna it's gonna take time for them to come to grips with the premier league and i know we can't keep saying that we're a number of months what four months three months four months into the season now we can't keep saying that but it, it is like this is the first time they've come up against um arsenal a team who pushed man city nearly all the way last season a team who has been touted as probably one of the favorites for the league this year uh and, and i mean yes it, it, it's a learning curve for this, a, lot, a lot of these players um i thought the defense gabriel osho is a player that we didn't mention but i thought he was absolutely fantastic against arsenal absolutely amazing um, well, of course, he got, he got the man of the match for Amazon, didn't he? Yeah. And he was also the scorer of the first goal. Yeah. And so we'll go into that. Doubt his set piece. It was sort of, um, he puts it into the right area. And Gabe Osho seems to be a player who loves scoring in a big game. Yeah. And I mean, he. It, Arsenal, I don't know what it was, but Arsenal could not deal with balls into the box. And I, I think we, we did it as much as we possibly could, but I would have like to see us do it a little bit more but every ball that went into that box against arsenal for a team that you talk about saliba and gabriel being so good defensively they looked extremely they looked extremely uh dodgy and shady and so did our goalkeeper uh, i know he's been dropped for tonight's champions league game but he looked extremely extremely dodgy and that's the kind of thing that you want dowdy then to just keep whipping them balls in just keep putting them balls in because eloy was getting on them. Osho got on the end of, on the end of one. We we have big defenders that when it comes to set pieces can get up there and can do stuff like that. And Osho's proved before in, in, in last season in, in the playoffs and whatnot that he, he he will he will score goals on big occasions. Um, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. You, you, you had the scum game, you had the playoff game, you got goals in both of those. Mm-hmm. I think he he actually got the ball in the net in the playoff final as well. I think he did. Yeah, and it was called off. Yeah, right, rightfully called off. Ross, so oh, yeah, rightfully yeah. called off. Yeah. But he just seems to be able to pop up and do that. It's um, so of course we scored. Obviously, going to the break, and they um, well, they actually no, they, they scored. They scored just before the break, didn't they? It was um, yeah. Which I think we deserved to give them But it was thinking, okay, so what way do we go from there? I mean, Kaminsky's made some very, very good saves in the meantime as well. So mm-hmm. obviously, I mentioned that. So a couple of superb saves. Obviously, we're never getting Garth Crooks team of the week because Garth Crooks is basically a cunt. So. <laughs> We'll just continuously call him a cunt on this podcast every time we record. <laughs> yeah, I one, think that's fair. One thing I will say about the Arsenal game, the Arsenal game was the first game, first league game, I think, this season I can remember. Maybe I'm wrong. That was on a Tuesday night. And we all to record on a Tuesday night. And you you are you are very adamant that we don't record on match days. And yes. I'm very much roiling you up going, it, there's nothing in it. It's not You're just being silly. It's it's all superstitious. There's nothing in it. Last week was the first time ever that I'm glad we didn't record because I don't know if I could have said anything. Like, I don't... I When that game finished, I think me and you were texting, but other than that, I literally just sat there in my living room, quiet, for about 45 minutes to an hour. 
I think it's one of those goals coming in. The last time I felt that way in the last minute goal coming in was the Blackpool playoff final. Yeah. Semi-final. Yeah. It went in and you're just thinking, right, did I just see that? And it's just that complete disbelief and everything else. But uh, Yeah. It's... And I think even the Blackpool game, there was a little bit of time left where we could have snatched something. You know, but this was just like literally the last kick of the game. Like literally. Yeah. It, it, they got the free kick right on the 96 minute minutes and i know there's been a number of uh things that you know oh well the referee should have blown the whistle and when, when the ball came back out of the area the first time but i mean honestly when you look at the time that was that was i don't want to say wasted but the time that was added on at the end of the game due to the time that was taken up during injury time it was probably right he probably played the right thing my my main problem with it and my main concern with it was is that on the in the first half, he blew the whistle five seconds before the five minutes was up. Yet Arsenal goalkeeper took twenty seconds over a goal kick, and the referee stopped the game for forty seconds to book Jesus and then restart the game. So you'll often turn around and say, "Oh yeah, the first half and the second half are different." You know, it's it's always been that way. It's it's just different. It but shouldn't why? it shouldn't be that. It shouldn't be. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like why why is it any different? And my main problem with it again was at that. point, Point when he blew the whistle in the first half, Dowdy had the ball on the left-hand side on the, for a throw. And yes, it may have come to absolutely nothing. But what's to say he doesn't throw that ball in, we get the ball into the box, or we get a corner, and they let us take the corner when we score from the corner. It's all ifs and buts. But, yeah. I mean, that, that was I mean, just it, it, absolutely it, it, heartbreaking. It's kind of difficult to moan too much about 90 seconds at the end of added time, but still, it's frustrating. But... I mean, obviously, we've, we've, we've skipped out with some, you know, there's some, uh, some of the more positive serve there, so we'll go back to them. So, obviously, they score again. Um, Adebayo comes into the starting lineup in place of sort of uh, Colton. And um, I'm thinking, okay, got to freshen things up. But he's got some confidence going now. I mean, he's got the height as well. And when you get a ball like that, so yes, Raya flaps. But I think Rob Edwards said, well, we kind of targeted to a certain extent. And I think that proved to be the right decision. Um, but the call comes in and sort of take nothing away from sort of um, Elijah. That's a good header when it comes in. I think I told you I didn't celebrate the goal. I was convinced it was coming back. <laughs> I was convinced it was coming. I was sitting there and when he put the ball in the net, I kind of I I, I leapt up and then I just no, nah, that's coming back because every time you see them goals, it just seems like the goalkeeper's just overprotected. And if you make any sort of contact with the goalkeeper whatsoever, they're going to give a free out. You know, and it, it, I was just I I didn't celebrate it. And I was just like, this is coming back. This is not going to be allowed. And it wasn't until, it wasn't until, um, it wasn't until they actually kicked back off that I was like, oh shit, they actually allowed it. Yeah, I think some you almost get to the stage thinking, right, just please bloody kick off now and just put us out of our misery, just in case it's uh, when they review things. Um, and then it sort of, you know, tool. And then it got better. We've got our two ex-England internationals, sort of free transfers. One of which actually seems to be called for him to be called back into England set up, and I really can blame him. So there's um, and you've got Ross Barkley, who, considering Arsenal's midfield, he turned them inside out time and time again. I mean, I'm sure you probably saw the club put up a sort of a, a highlights reel, a highlights reel from one match, and the amount he did in that highlights reel was um, is unbelievable. Some of the touches. So I've been harsh on Barkley on this podcast. Uh, I've said that yes, technically he's a great player and. Tech, uh, going forward, he's definitely going to give us something that we don't have. That was Ross Barkley's best game of the season. Forget anything else. Forget all the other games. That was Ross Barkley's best game of the season. 
And I say that because you look at who he's up against. He's up against Declan Rice in England International. Martin Odegaard, supposedly one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. Kai Havertz, a Champions League winner. You know, and it's he made them look average. And I I call any Arsenal fan to come on here and debate us about this. He made them look average. Come on, do you think any Luton fans to watch this? Never mind Arsenal fans. Any Luton fans, sorry, what? Come on here and watch this. Never mind Arsenal fans. Oh, no, no, no. We have fans because we, we obviously have Kevin that lives in, I want to say Ohio, somewhere like that. Um, but we also have uh, Alicia who uh, messaged us after the game, um, after the last podcast. And I had some choice words for your uh, your beer. Uh, said Nick, Bud Light and Coors do not define our beer. We have amazing microbreweries all across the nation. So you need to step up your beer game. That's why this week I tried to get you on the wine. Bit more cultured, bit more refined, but I I don't see any wine. So we're Luton fans. We drink what we want. There you go. I'll drink the wine. But then obviously it's um, in Ross Barker's goal again. You might say slightly fortuitous the goalkeeping, but it was um, it's got some great touch. Got into it, picked out Townsend. Townsend picked him back out, and it's uh, you know the way he can shift the ball. It was a good finish. Never mind about the keeping. I don't care about the keeping on that one. It was a good finish. And then we're up to 3 2. And I'm thinking 3 2 Arsenal, that's a familiar standing result. Yeah. But unfortunately, yeah. it's, again, they equalised. It's quite not going that way. Nah. But I mean, they equalised quite quickly. And then, yeah, absolutely sickening at the end. And it was, uh, we deserved a point from that. I did say, I think we might get a point from the two games. We didn't. But it was, um, that was about as close as you could possibly get against the league leads at the time as well. Yeah. I mean, as I said, absolutely. I we've had some really, really rough times at this club. I, and I know you said Blackpool. We even at Blackpool, I, I I think I was kind of holding the hope that maybe we could snatch something at the end. I don't know anything. Um, I was trying to think back Wimbledon, but then again, you always know that someone's going to lose in the penalty shootout. So mm-hmm. it just is the way it is. The, just the way that happened with literally the last kick of the game. Man, I, I, that and it's weird because if you'd have turned around to me and I, I said, I think I said this to you, if you'd have turned around to me 10 years ago and said, you'll be absolutely devastated after losing 4 3 to Arsenal in the Premier League 10 years from now, I'd have fucking laughed at you. And that's it. It's okay. So you've got the short term devastation, but you see how far the Cubs come from the effort commitment these players are putting in. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. We've talked about Arsenal and we'll talk about City here in a little bit, I'm sure. That same effort and commitment needs to be this Saturday. And it needs to be against Newcastle and it needs to be against Sheffield United and it needs to be against Chelsea. Because let's face it, Nick, Newcastle, with all their money and everything, are still, it's still a winnable game at Kenilworth Road. Chelsea, with all their money and all their, all their problems right now, is very much a winnable game at Kenilworth Road. And you've mm-hmm. got to take points from Bournemouth and Sheffield United. I mean, Bournemouth are actually banging form. That is not an easy yeah. game. I and think their fans are seeing us as an easy game. I saw some Bournemouth fans thinking, look at that. Our fans saying it's an easy game. Because said you, as in Lucid, will not be an easy game. And we are starting to get some respect. We're not getting the points for it, but we are getting some respect onto it because of the way we are performing against some of these teams. And there's got to come yeah. points of, you know, those efforts of, you know, turning points. But yeah, as we said, go into the Man City game, we can obviously get the rest. So Man City... We weren't given a chance against it. Was um, you're thinking? Okay, so they're 
treble winners. Um, obviously, Harlan being injured, that's a slight. Oh, great, Harlan's out. And then, oh, we can bring in 100 million Jack Queenish instead, um, who was actually quite yeah. competent too after. Um, yeah, first half, we sort of didn't sort of create a great deal. Uh, game Kaminsky has made, as is his horse. He's making some good stops. We probe some, uh, probes and then injury time. I know Pep was saying too much injury time. But you've got Ross Barkley, again, turns this world-class midfield inside out, finds Doughty, finds Townsend. Townsend's cross absolutely perfection. And there's Elijah, confidence way up, straight in. Yeah, and I mean, that finish was a finish of a striker with confidence. And I think that's maybe where he gets the nod now above Carlton, is that yeah. the confidence. The confidence is definitely there for uh, Eli. And, I mean, again... You're coming up against a city defense that is no, it's not, it's not United's defense. It's not Maguire and freaking Evans or Lindelof. It, it's Ruben Diaz, one of the probably one of the best defenders in the world right now, you know. And again, Eloy, just no problem. I'll take it. Just put it on my head and I'll, I'll beat him to it. And I'll, I'll beat him in the air and I'll put him in the back of the net, you know. And okay. Yeah, it gets the half time. You're thinking, okay, we're goal up against basically some of the European champions. You're thinking they're going to throw everything coming at us there. So obviously, they they did do that. It was nice. It was nice a dream. Obviously, it's, it's not going to be something years years. You only said we were leading Man City once. It's uh, because I think we're better than that. But it was um, obviously they get the goal back. They got something you know, the first one back. I thought the referee would have probably given a penalty. Whether it's justified or not, before they lashed it in, and yeah, it's a great strike. Kaminsky can do nothing about it. And then, unfortunately, the second there was a hint of handball, but VAR looks at it, so it's possibly sort of you know shoulder or head or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then Mengi just slipped. It was sort of who's been fantastic, but he just slipped at the unfortunate moment. And Greenish has got sort of you know an easiest chance. I mean, I saw the paper saying it was. Um, Kaminsky may have thought he could have done better, which, yeah, you can see that, but it is close range, and it's uh, you, you've got to play potential to keep as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a good finish by Grealish. And, and, but you, you don't take anything away. City's two goals were good finishes. Yes, we made mistakes for both, for both of them again. But, I mean, that's that, that's why they're City. That's why they're the treble winners. They take their chances. You know, mm -hmm. there's no there's no messing about with them. They take their chances. Um that game, though, changed at halftime. That game changed as the teams were walking off the pitch. And Pep talked to the fourth official the whole length of the pitch into the dressing room. That's when that game changed. I'm not saying City wouldn't have come back and won anyway, but that's when that game changed. Pep is an absolute... I, I, remember, back in the, I remember growing up. Everyone used to talk about United and Ferguson and the players in particular, Keane, you know, going after referees and, and getting in their ear and stuff like that. Pep's the fucking master at it. Look at any game where he thinks he's in trouble at halftime. When he's walking to the dressing room, he's talking to the ref. He's the absolute Again, I'm not saying the result would have been any different if it that didn't happen. But you cannot tell me that those referees didn't have something in their ear at halftime and one or two 50-50 tackles go City's way in the second half. Yeah. I mean, as it was, there was one that sort of, you know, didn't go all their own way, which um, you looked at, I looked at, and I thought we're down to 10 here. It was, um, I mean, Brown. Yeah. yeah. He he got, the, he got the ball. He didn't get any of the player. 
but the fact I think he jumped in two-footed when they're reviewing it, you think as soon as they start reviewing that two-footed, you think that's going to be a red. Yeah, and as soon as Rar came up checking for a possible red, I was like, he's he's gone. He's off. Forget about it. Like, not a chance. Not a chance in hell. He's staying on the pitch. Um, but he did. Uh, it, 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 it wasn't the best tackle. It was like, as you say, yes, he, he got a bit of the ball, but... Again, you don't go in like that because you know you're always leaving yourself open to to, to get a, a straight red with with something as dangerous as that. You just don't do it. I mean, I, I had a quick look on the um, on the Man City forum after, um, and on the facts, I think that basically the general theme seems to be our fans are cunts, our players are cunts who kick people, and we're a horrible little club. But I, was, I just put that on the on the outlaws, and everyone looks at it, absolutely fantastic. We got right yeah. got right under their skin. Uh, like, what do you ex- if if you're a Man City and you're playing, and I know this is different, but you're playing an FA Cup toy against a lower league team, what do you expect the lower league team to do? Do you expect them to play football with you and get beaten five, six, seven nil? Or do you expect them to be? No, I've got absolutely or, no issue kicking lumps out of the opposition or something. Just, get physical with them, play to your strengths, play direct, and try get something. And that's ultimately what we did, and we nearly got something. I mean, no the best way. comment I saw was the fact that it's basically we were sort of, you know, we were diving and rolling around all over the place. I'm thinking, I'm sure there's this in the first half. Alvarez went down so bad injured, he rolled to one side, then the other, then back, then back, then back, and back again. I think if you're that badly injured, you can't roll around that much. And here's the thing as much as City went, uh, like you can say, they rolled around and, and they, they feigned injury, they didn't do as much as Arsenal did. Every time Arsenal, any any time a, a Luton player seemed to get anywhere near an Arsenal player, if they breathed on them wrong the wrong way, Arsenal player went down and just start rolling around in agony. Martinelli was probably the worst for, if I'm being totally honest. And I after watching that game, like, and again the way it ended maybe maybe clouding my judgment, but I think if Arsenal lose the league this season, it'll be because they're not physical enough. They can't take they can't take those physical teams. It definitely upset both sides. Um, just on a slight side note, there's a whole rolling around or diving thing. At what point does that get coached into people? Because I played football, I'm sure you have when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking you would never go down and sort of, you know, fake injury. Um, I think once I had somebody went down and sort of, you know, rolled around in agony, but he was actually taking the piss. And the PE teacher then actually sent me off for it, which was interesting. And <laughs> we both looked at each other and go, what the hell was that? So, um, I'll be honest with you. if, if- Growing up when I was playing it, if some if someone on my team had done that, I literally would have been like, "Get the fuck up! Don't ever do that again." Yeah, you know, and I I don't know, I don't know when it was. I don't even think, I don't even think it's trained into them. What I think it is now is they're told you're told if you feel contact, go down because there's always a chance you'll get a free kick. And I think that's what it is. I honestly think that's what it is. Like, people are just kind of like, oh, I'm feeling a little bit of contact, so I'm going to go down and hope for a free kick. But some of the ones we've seen, not just necessarily those two games, but it was um, there's going down to get a free kick or a penalty, and there's going down to try and get an opponent sent off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think something in the World Cup, uh, a couple of World Cups back, there was one of the Brazilian players. He basically, the ball got hit into his leg, and he went down clutching his face in agony. Neymar. Is it Neymar? I think it was Neymar. 
I think it was yeah. Neymar. Yeah, because there was a big deal made made about it over here. He's such a good player. He did, he's such a good player. He doesn't need to do it. You know, I think it was Neymar. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know when it happened. I really don't. But it's something that you just you have to get used to in today's game. It sucks because, like, I, I I can't remember the amount of times I yelled at my TV screen during the Arsenal game, get the fuck up, this is a contact sport, you're not playing basketball. Like, seriously, like, this is a contact sport. If you don't want contact, don't play football. It's a contact sport. You yelled and, all that out? Hmm? You actually yelled all that out? I, I yelled, get the fuck up, this is a contact sport, it's not basketball. But like you gotta agree with me. Like it's when we were yeah. growing up, football was very much a contact sport. You know, and one of my growing up in Ireland, one of my one of my favorite players growing up to watch was Roy Keane. And one of the reasons I loved Roy Keane so much was because he was everything that I thought football should be. He was good on the ball, he could pass it, he wasn't as bad as everyone thought, he was very, very good on the ball but he was hard. He could take a tackle. He could give a tackle. And to me, that was football. He also had, then, nasty, he had nasty streaks in as well, though. I mean, he like, had a nasty like, streak. And honestly, that endured him even more to me. <laughs> the fact that he was a little bit nasty. I think there's a little bit nasty. And then there's basically what he did to Harlem, which was basically, I'm going to go out and end your career. That's just... Well, he didn't end his career. He played a game after that. But, I mean, we're talking about nasty <laughs> players. We're talking yeah. about nasty players, and we had Kevin Nichols. You know? <laughs> And don't get me wrong, like this is not this is not having to go at Kevin Nichols. Nichol was one of the finest players to ever play for Luton. Gave everything for the club, heart and soul. But if you're talking about players who were hard or considered hard, it was Nichol, right? It was Kevin Nichols. Well, I mean, there's, there's players who are hard, players who are considered hard. I mean, there were some players who got considered hard who weren't, like Vinnie Jones, sort of tried to forge, forge your reputation. But then you had the likes of Mick Harford, who actually was hard. Yeah, exactly. Like we we've always had the, that kind of hard man mentality, and I know Wimbledon always got tagged with the crazy gang uh, label, but I think that was just because although we had hard players like Harford and whatnot, we also had that skill. We had Ricky Hill, mm. we had Brian Steen, you know, we had Kinsley Black, you know. So we although we had that that those players like Foster and Harford, and Jesus, going back to the eighties now, Foster and Harford who were like big physical tough players we also had the hills and the blacks and the states i mean obviously you said three but i mean so those last two especially that is basically as rob edwards said the narrative is changing about us it was um yeah then mike mika richards and actually all the match today through they said no this is what looting about this is what they're trying to do with actually sort of you know the problem is we're getting cut adrift a bit and it's sort of um I'm sure the bottom throw, I mean, horrendous results was over the weekend generally, mm -hmm. but it was um, the fact is they're saying, right, we've got an identity, we know what we're trying to do, and we are competing. We're competing against these sides who are competing for Champions League football. Yeah, and again, it won't mean anything if we go to Bournemouth on the weekend and get rolled over. It won't. Um, and we've been fantastic in, against City, we've been fantastic against Arsenal, we were fantastic against United, we were fantastic against Liverpool. It won't matter if we don't get anything from Bournemouth and we don't get anything from Sheffield United. And I know it's away from home just, and I know they're tough games, but and they are informed. But I mean, just just I think as you said, the narrative it was basically it came to the season. I mean, some sort of said, "Oh, I can't take them seriously." Everything else, oh, we we'll get stuffed every week, but we're not getting stuffed every week. We're not picking up enough points, but we're not getting stuffed every week. 
And I think that's that is a testament to Rob Edwards and the team. I don't I don't ever think I don't think I ever thought we'd get stuffed every week. The last two games, yes. I did not think we they would be as close as they were. Um but by the way, the city game, the biggest compliment Pep Guardiola can give you is taking off Phil Foden with what four or five minutes left to play and bring on a defender because he knows he's under the cosh and he knows he's got to see this game out. That's the biggest compliment you can get from a manager like Pep Guardiola. Uh, but I mean, I, I didn't think those games would be that close, but I did when you look at the fixture list at the beginning of the season, the Bournemouths, the Sheffield United's. They're going they're to the ones who tokens pick yeah. up points. Yeah, the Arsenal's Man United, Man City is thinking exactly, yeah, exactly. So we we've got to we've got to go out this weekend. We've got to put on we've got to put on a show. Like yeah, honestly, like I don't know what it is, and I don't know if it's me just being overconfident, but I can see Barkley putting on a show this weekend, like putting on a clinic. Barkley has been outstanding in recent games, so it's, uh, he has. But I said Bournemouth are in form. That's an issue as well. Plus, I mean, this is a kind of hangover going back to sort of 25 years ago, 30 years ago. We had a real issue with teams feeling with B. I think it was actually when we got relegated. Um, and then it's thinking, okay, so we've lost 4-1 to Brighton. We've lost 3-1 to Brentford. B test. Come on. Nah, I, 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 again, I don't know if I'm just being too confident, but if we... we if we can, if everyone's good to go against Bournemouth, like I, I want to see a real display. And I know we don't have the camera, which will be a used loss. Hopefully, the minutes that Lakanga got into him will be enough to see him to see him through the game. Um, but I, these are the games we need. We need to close that gap. And it's easier said than done because we can beat Bournemouth, and everyone else can pick up points. Which means the only thing that we're closing the gap on is Bournemouth. But I think I've said to you before, the more teams we can drag into that battle, the better yeah. it is for us. I mean, I think it's Jamie Redknapp said we were, we need to be dragging in a Crystal Palace, sort of, you know, or a Forest or something like that into the mix. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all, all the way up to, I think it's Wolves, Chelsea. Does anyone really think Chelsea can be in a relegation battle? Probably not quite. I think that'd, be, that'd be amusing to see them actually down there. I think the home form will keep them just enough away, right? I mean, it's ridiculous that Chelsea should even be in there. The amount of money they spent on players and everything else, and it's uh, I'm loving their it. statute. But we don't respect. We do not respect teams. We do not respect their reputation. Yeah, I think everyone up to Wolves can still get dragged into it, and Wolves have got a few decent results, and Bournemouth have picked up some good results. I don't know who fucking would have thought Fulham would beat West Ham five 0 over the weekend. As you said, a lot of results went, most of the results went the wrong way on the weekend. But, and I said this at the beginning of the season, if we can get to those last 10 games or so and be within touching distance, I think this team can do it. I yeah, think this team can chance. stay up. There is a chance if we can do that because I said we've got, I wouldn't say it's an easy running because it's a Premier League. There's no such thing as an easy game. And that's, you know, people might be saying, right, Sheffield United away, that's an easy game. No, it's not. They're a point behind us. Change the manager. It's, uh, and that's the biggest thing, right? They're going to have yeah. that new manager bump now, which fucking sucks. Though it is an odd one. They they sat their managers, bring the manager they sat because he was going to get them relegated. I mean, that's that's a that's a, that's clubs these days for you. I mean, I take mean, away actually, take away us. That's clubs for you these days. To be fair, I don't mind Chris Wilder because he actually took over at Watford. And show them absolute disdain, same as Roy Hodgson did when he took over. 
I said this club's rotten to the core pretty much, and it was uh, he pretty much called it exactly what it was and pissed their fans right off. So he's okay by me for that both for that sort of, um, approach. I mean, anyone that goes into Watford and pisses off Watford, i.e., Rob Edwards, is totally fine by me. Yeah. You know, it's it, it it's one it's one of them things where you're just gonna like, yeah, <laughs> you've done good by me. You're fine. <laughs> you're, you're you're in my good books. Um, but it still doesn't mean that I don't want to pick up points from you. Um, nah, we. I mean, we, yeah. we we've got to start getting points. Sort of, you know, I'm not saying there's anything as a must win game, but there's a, we've got to start getting points. Sort of, you know, on the board and closing that gap. If you want to stay up, the performance is there, the efforts there. We just need the points. Yeah, and the, I think the reason why I said like the last ten games or so, you look at after that international break in March, the next two games are difficult. It's Tottenham and Arsenal away, but you look at our home games. You got Bournemouth at home, Brentford at home, Everton at home, Fulham at home. We can pick up points against all of them. Yeah, and then Wolves away, you could probably get something as well. Like like if we get if we can get to if we can get to March and still be in the still be in the run running, still be in the race, then it's it, it's there for the taking. Well, I mean, I saw a stat based on away fame as well. So we've got um, Newcastle, Chelsea. Their away form is not good. No, it's not. And that's why I honestly think that's why I said to you, like, these next four games are winnable. Every single one of them is winnable. I know Bournemouth are in good form. But again, it's winnable. Bournemouth, Bournemouth are in good form, but I watched them against United and I honestly don't think Bournemouth were great. United were just fucking awful. Like really, really bad. Yeah, but it's well, I didn't actually watch the full game on that one. I think I sort of, you know, vaguely paid attention to the highlights, but um that's uh, but United United actually been informed result wise, maybe not performance wise, but result wise they had. Yeah, but the, again, I'll come back to the performance against Bournemouth was fucking woeful, absolutely terrible. There's n- like there's no way in hell Luton played that bad against Bournemouth. And that's like I, mean, I, I actually can't think Bournemouth played that well against Man United for one reason. Garth Cooks put in five Bournemouth players in his team of the week. If Garth Cooks is the team, that means he's completely wrong. Exactly. Exactly, Nick. You've hit the nail on the head. Exactly. The guy's an absolute fucking moron to highest order. I mean, I think he just, he just does wind people up, I think, called basics of you know comedy value. I think, yeah, he gets paid for that. We can, we do this for free. We do this for free. Yeah. We need to set up a fucking PayPal account or something. They're getting paid for this shit. <laughs> this wine doesn't pay for itself, people. <laughs> what was it? Two dollars ninety. Five bucks. <laughs> <One second. laughs> you see, when you go about culture, you could just have some, just, you know. Just see if I can get some brand placement here. You know, got got a got a got a um, rep the. Uh, the local brand, so it's California roots. If if anyone's looking out there, got to rep the own brand, you know. That's cheap, the worst product placement cheap, for no payment whatsoever. Cheap and cheerful, cheap and cheerful people. <laughs> hey, don't fucking slag. Did, you you wanted me to get Stella last last week for the podcast, and that was the deal that I got Stella last week for the podcast. I could not I find Kansas. I could not find Kansas Stella anywhere. And when I asked about it, one of my mates that works in we call it off licenses back home. Bevmo over here was basically like, yeah, that's a that, that's a very feminine beer. They don't really do cans; they do bottles. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. It's Nick. Yeah, it's called Wife Beast over here. <sighs> Apparently, it's not the same thing over here, Nick. <laughs> don't ask for Stella when you come over here. There'll be a certain uh, 
certain uh, ring to you. Okay, so it goes right. Can I have a Stella, can I have a Stella and a um, shotgun, please? Exactly. <laughs> it's a we don't have many American listeners because they're sort of, you know, be upsetting with left, right, and center. I think all we have is American listeners, dude. Ah, oh, fair enough. I don't know where Alicia's from, but actually, she has to be from the UK because she gave out about your beers. So she's got to be from the UK. <laughs> she said there's a lot of microbreweries. You need to up your game. I can't my go. I'm just the cheap, easy drinking stuff here. Not Stop being old. Stuff. Stop being old. Stop being set in your ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So I mean, obviously, there's the actually one final note on those games. It was, um, I think, the Guardians reports. So I sent you the link on it. Mm-hmm. It's they said um, Artessas, not Artessas. It's the, the Arsenal manager. Basically, so um, he said he's Emery. No, yeah, Artessas, not Emery. Yeah. Artessas said he basically sort of um, he tries to put his players in positions for games. So, for example, Liverpool, he played. You never walk alone. And the suggestion was Luton, he'd been better off basically getting 400 extras or whatever to scream in their faces during the training. I love that quote. I mean, it's one of the things, like, I watched the Crystal Palace game with one of my brother-in-laws. And it was the same, that was the same day as the City-Liverpool game, I want to say, right? Mm-hmm. It was the City-Liverpool? Yeah, City-Liverpool, I think it was. And, um... We watched that game and then we watched the Luton game. And he was just kind of like, he turned around to me and goes, are all soccer pitches, American YSA, so this is him talking. Yeah. Are all soccer pitches, are all soccer pitches the same size? I'm like, yeah, for the for the most part, like the dimensions have to be roughly around. It has to be within. There's, there's, there's limits. There's about yeah. a five yard limit. Yeah. yeah. So, but it has to be within reason. Hmm. He's like, oh, and I'm like, why? And he's like, because that pitch looks a lot smaller than the other pitch. And I'm like, it's not that smaller, it's that the crowd is so fucking close to it that it just makes it look smaller. The crowd is so close to the pitch, and between the touchline and where the fans are, there's like no space whatsoever. I mean, I think a perfect example is we can't even take like we're the per- we're the perfect team to deal with long throws because you can't take them at Kenilworth Road. No, you can't get far enough back. Well, you can, you're just in row C by the time you stop. Exactly. You know, and like it's just be that's that's the image that Kenwood Row gives, and it's fantastic, it's absolutely amazing. Like you could see it like against Arsenal, like every time Arsenal had a throw, people just open their seats, giving the Arsenal players loads, and you're just kind of like, Yes, that's what we need. Every yeah. home game from here on out, and it's been that way from all the season that the whole season, but just in their face, screaming, giving them abuse. Obviously, keep the abuse to a PC level. Just, it was just that's what you need. That's what you need every single game. I don't think our fans are ever going to a PC level. PC enough. Don't do anything stupid. You know what I mean, yeah. right? Well, don't grab the players, basically. Yeah, don't do a Sunderland again. Um, right. So, I mean, obviously, that's on the games. Um, a couple of final points. Stephen Brown's program notes. Obviously, I think it's people would read them if they want to, but I thought that was absolutely fantastic. It was, but. It was so, so barbed. It was so critical, but it was so unstated the way they did it. So knowing Stephen Brown, you know exactly what is going through his mind. But And you can actually read it on those where people think, oh, okay, maybe overacting. They're not. He meant every single word there, and it was brilliant. It was, it was one of the finer reads this season. And as you said, you knew exactly what he was getting at. 
but I I dare anyone to pick out a part of that program and say that's not true, or that's a lie, or that's fabricated. I mean, I like the part because he goes, okay, he's got a certain grudging admiration for any Man City fans who are still holding a grudge after he relegated in 1983. He goes, because that's something that's actually passion that's forgotten. And I think he's got that spot on as well. I mean, honestly, coming up to that City game, like, when we obviously we didn't record last week, but if, if we were talking about that City game in the, in the, in the roll-up to the City game, one of us would have mentioned Pleats Jig. Let's face it. Yeah. It's it's just it's Radiantich skull, like it's just the way it is. Just just like the build up to the Arsenal game, it's like you talk you you just talked about a three two has a certain ring to it against Arsenal, you know, and it does because of the League Cup final, you know. And there's nothing wrong with that. City are, I heard this great saying um, on American on an American sports talk show, and it, like I think it I think it uh it it suits this really well. In in the in the in, in the American sports scene, but we'll say for for example, in the Premier League now, you've got old money and you've got new money. Old money being Luton, who do things the right way, who are trustworthy, who are who stand by their people, who who go about things the right way, and you have new money, the Saudis, City, you know, FSG at Liverpool, Glaziers at United. They were only worried about one thing. They're only worried about how much money comes back into them. How much money they Steve, can make. And I think Steve from, Brown actually from that, says chasing fool's gold, I think was the reference he'd made that without mentioning the teams. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like City are new money. And I, like, I feel bad saying that because you look at City over the years and until they got this money, where were they? Like, they were lower than us at certain points, you know? Like they, they they went down to the championship. They went down to League One. They were in an awful state. They climbed their way back up, and they climbed their way back up, and then they got the money. Yeah. And all of a sudden, there's this new influx of of fans of of just everything around the club. You know, their new money. All them like, you could probably talk to ninety percent of the city fans that were there on Sunday, and they would not have any idea about David Pleach Jake. Or the last day heroics of Radiantich. Like, none of them would, you know? But the old school City fans who probably, I don't want to say can't get tickets because City don't sell out their ground, do they? No. Yeah, so they not necessarily that they can't get tickets, but are probably in a stage of their life where they're not going every week. They're the ones that remember it. Like, they're, they're, the, they're the old school, true, hardcore fans. And those ones, those ones are going to remember it. But City's fans now, like, you look around City ground they're, they're not even selling that one it's just kind of like it's like it's it's like it's like watching a group of people at a tourist park well i think one of the other comments i saw is oh, they said about our fans oh strange set of fans first set of fans who don't have their own songs who can just who just scream all game okay so because we don't have any choreographs i mean something Right, so they sung even less than anybody else. And Premier League fans, a lot of them, with some notice, do not sing at all or make any noise. The fact that some, you know, away games, yeah, we've got 3,000, they've got 30, and don't hear them at all. It's, um, well, Fulham is probably the worst example of that one. But it's just kind of odd situations. Oh, well, they don't have songs. It's not a fucking choir. It's a football match. Yeah. If the best way to get in people's faces is to scream their ears all game, that's what we'll do. Next, they'll be trying to piss you off by saying we should get a drum. 
<laughs> you know exactly my rules on drums. <laughs> they should be kept for bands. Well, actually, I was going to say, fire safety test. If you want to get a drum into the ground, fire safety test. Insert it through your ass, out your mouth. If you survive <laughs> that, then you can take it in the ground. For anyone thinking about getting the drum in the Kenwood Road, Nick is very, very much anti-drums <clears throat> at football games. Well, you do realize... Do you, not think it adds, do you not think it adds an atmosphere? You do realize Luton have actually banned instruments. I, I, I'm not saying what they did or didn't. I'm asking you a question. Do you not think it adds atmosphere to the games? Like, you look at... you look at no, like no, The no, ones no, I'm no. thinking of are, like, the the, the, the the outside of the Premier League games, like the, the Serie A games and the German games, the Bundesliga games, stuff like that. Like, you, you hear drums every now and again there. You know, like, MLS have drums. It's fantastic. It creates a great atmosphere. Sorry, Marks and Spencer got drums. What the fuck MLS. is the shot? MLS. 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 Well, I can say, if you need a drum to create an atmosphere, you need to have a look at yourself and get a voice. I'm just saying, like, it, it means people are going to shout louder. They're going to they're, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna sing louder. We need some songs, Nick. We need to start writing. I would like to think this is the worst attempt at trolling ever, but it's um, <laughs> actually done a lot worse. I was just going to say, you know me too well. Yeah. <laughs> right. That, was, so, that wasn't even in the top 10. No. Not even the top 10 attempts. I mean, you're, you're bad, but that was, that, was worse than, that was worse than bad. Yeah, but still didn't break the top 10. Well, after, I'll, give you, I'll give you a week to think about it, okay? Come back next week with my top 10 trolls. Oh Jesus Christ! I think it's I can probably count the first ten. I'm not sure the top ten really qualifies. So, <laughs> just the ten, the ten of you talk. This guy's fucking lost it. Um, I just scroll back through the WhatsApp messages. I bet the last couple of weeks should probably do it. So, <laughs> no, I've been pretty good in the WhatsApp the last couple of weeks. You have actually. I've, 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 been, I've been taking it very, very serious. I have. <laughs> I've been taking it very serious, mainly because it's just me and you. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so I mean, I think that's it because it's right. So um, back next week before um, Christmas, because it's um, let's face it, I'm not going to be recording Boxing Day, neither are you. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm going to be home over Boxing Day, Nick. <laughs> thank fuck for that you Americans actually can get drunk at Christmas, not just bloody Thanksgiving. Ah. Uh... see, that's the weird thing. Like this is going to roll over a little bit now, but I, I didn't really get drunk Thanksgiving. Like it's it's just not one of them things. I think mainly because of the whole Black Friday the next day. Like, yes, I know what my schedule is, but I also know my workplace, and it's kind of like ten o'clock the night before. It's like, hey, we need you here at four a.m., and you're like two bottles fucking deep, and it's like that's not that's not happening. Mm-hmm. That's not happening. So I I got Christmas. I will because I'm near certain I'm going to be off the day after Christmas. The way my schedule works, I'm near certain I'm off the day after Christmas. Unless they pull any fast ones on me. I mean, do you get the box day sales there? I mean, obviously, it's completely off topic now. No. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the shopping challenge <laughs> <laughs> with Nick Perry and Gavin Daly. <laughs> What's the name of that station in England? Q... Babe Station. It's Babe Station. <laughs> Babe Station. Is that what it is? <laughs> That's yeah. what you know what it is? <laughs> QVC or something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We'll just call it Babe Station. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it, Nick. Okay. Uh, I, think rambling. Rambling. I think we're rambling now. We are definitely rambling. Definitely. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go finish my bottle of wine. I think you should. I am. I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna finish my bottle of wine. And then it's Taco Tuesday, so 
how much product placement? I don't know. I'll see how many you're fit in. I don't think I can say Taco Tuesday. LeBron's trying to fight for that for me. <laughs> Stop the fucking recording. <laughs> <laughs>